Well, on this Christmas Eve Eve, I believe it is, I want to fill in the blank here once more on this uh, fourth week of Advent. And the word I'd like to add to our, our kind of list that we've been using to fill in the blank is this word, distractions. And it's intentionally plural because if you know anything about distractions, there are many of them in our lives, right? Uh, in fact, I looked it up in the dictionary, and a distraction is anything that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Or it could also be uh, described as a diversion of your attention. And when you define it that way, you discover there are distractions of all kinds. Things you realize and things you don't realize. Distractions, when you, you know that they're there, can certainly be annoying and unwelcome. But then there are those times when you don't even realize you're being distracted. Now, for me, this is typically, typically happens with our kids or with the cats. And uh, I'll be just zoned and focusing on something that they're doing. And uh, my wife will have to say, are you, are you listening to me? Do you, do, do you, did you hear what I just said to you? Because I am just over here. A time when you don't realize you're distracted because you're actually focused on something else, but that's the distraction. And at Christmas, there are plenty of these types of things that can do this exact same thing, that can distract us, that can uh, pull our attention away, that things that we actually are focusing on that we don't realize are actually distractions. And these are the things that can steal away the joy, the impact, the meaning, and the powerful message of Christmas. In fact, as I was thinking about this idea of distractions, I realized that the more significant something is, the more distractions there are to that thing. I mean, you can think about it this way. If you've ever been working on maybe a big project or you're trying to spend time with somebody who you haven't seen in a while, how often does the phone ring or the kids need something every few minutes or there's just something else going on that always seems to pull your attention away? It's the exact same reason that your cell phone has a focus mode, why people use noise machines outside offices or in other ways or why they go to a certain private area to work. So I don't know about you, but it's important to then find a way to eliminate the distractions. And I find for myself that one of the great ways to do so is to kind of shut out all those things that are on the periphery and to really boil down what you're trying to focus on to one very important thing, one main idea or one main question you're trying to answer. I actually do this when I write sermons. I'll fit, try to boil down for myself what the main idea or the main question I'm trying to answer is before I go any further. This process is, I think, more, probably the most important to enact at Christmas time. To ask, well, what is the most important thing in this season? Or... On the flip side, what then is it that we are distracted from? What is worthy of our full attention, according to that dictionary definition? And I think we can figure that out for ourselves. What is most important by answering this question here tonight? 
has God come to us? If the answer is yes, then I think it's pretty worthy of our attention, right? I mean, what could be more important than God coming to dwell with his people? And if the answer is no, well, then I think it's safe to say all of this is pointless. Even all of the commercialism out in the world, I would say, is pointless because it doesn't have an event that it's all surrounded by. And really, Christmas itself becomes the distraction if the answer to this question is no. Well, the scriptures certainly help us to focus in on this question and to really find out the answer to that question. We just take a walk through the Gospels as they tell us about these things. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, it says, But after he had considered this, this is Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now this is in a time, this is going to happen in a time when people were distracted by rules. People who were all concerned with pleasing God by keeping the law to a T. It's in the midst of this that the angel comes and speaks to Joseph and says, there's something way more important going on. There's something worthy of your focus. It's the baby who will be born. It's Jesus, as he will be named, Emmanuel, God with us, who will save his people from their sins. This is the most important thing as the angels and others come to find in Matthew's gospel. He answers the question, yes, God indeed comes to us. We can go to Mark's gospel as well. He focuses on Jesus' first words of his public ministry and says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. It's happening. This is the time when Jesus, God himself, is here. Now there's two words for time that really tie into this pretty well. There's two words in the original language that, that talks about time. There's kairos. It's a season or a special event, a special time. And then there's chronos, which means a month, a day, a time, a very specific time on the calendar. Jesus, here in this verse, uses kairos. The season is now, the time is now to repent, to change. Why? Because God has come to us. The answer is yes, yet again, in Mark's gospel. Then there's Luke's gospel, a bit, a bit of which we heard of today. The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And then in the next chapter, the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Mary is favored. The shepherds hear some good news. It's going to be for all people too. What is that good news? That the Savior, God, 
has been born. John, too, the Gospel of John, says it slightly differently. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now we find out this baby that certainly came had a very clear identity. He was the Word. The Word became flesh. We saw Him. We know Him. Yet again, God has come to us. And then there's the words from the Apostle Paul as he focuses on God coming to us at a very specific time. He wrote, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Remember, I mentioned those two words for time. This is the other one. This is that chronos. This is a specific time in all of space, in all of history. It's the speaking of the reality of a place Jesus was born, of a certain people to whom he was born, of the things even that he would do. In other words, God is keeping his appointment with people. It says he was born of a woman too. I love this picture as a depiction of of that. You suddenly get the sense of how the impossible has been possible. It is possible. It has happened. This thing that was promised for generations, that we were given exact details, specific time frames, was done so so that we wouldn't miss it. So that we wouldn't be so distracted by other things that we wouldn't catch the significance of what God was doing. So that we could have an answer because we were focused on it. An answer to the question of if God has come to us. And so Paul, he says certainly God has come to us. Matthew's answer was yes. Mark's answer was yes. Luke's answer was yes. John too said yes. Safe to say, this is worthy of our attention. But the Apostle Paul in those verses doesn't stop with saying yes. He also tells us, hey, if you're wondering, not only is the answer yes, but here's why it's important. He was born under the law. The Apostle Paul bore, or our Savior bore the weight and consequences of, of the law. That means that this is worthy of our attention because of what he would do for us. He would bear our imperfections, our brokenness, the pain and the struggles of life. It's all placed upon Jesus. Even the curse of death, of eternal death, is placed upon him. Jesus himself comes and says, I'll take care of this for you says Jesus came to redeem those under the law. That's you and me. The ones who should have had the consequence for the law, for our sin. Jesus came. God himself has come to us so the law wouldn't have the final word. So all of this sadness and sinfulness of our world wouldn't steal our joy. 
There's a great quote from the author Elizabeth Elliot. It says, joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. Our joy then is not because suddenly the distractions and brokenness of life are are removed from us. No, our joy is simply because God is now present with us. Because God is incarnate. Just a big word for God putting skin on. Jesus came in the flesh. He was born. He came for us. He went to the cross. He said, it is finished. And the price for our our salvation was paid in full. When I think about that, I don't want to let distractions get in the way of that. I don't want to miss that because there's all these other things going around, on around this time of year. When I think about how at Christmas, God indeed has come to us. How he was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem me. There's no way I can let myself be distracted. What else could be worthy of our attention? What else could be so important, more important than God showing up in the flesh? I think we can all answer together, there's nothing more important than that. So has God come to us? The answer, I think, is a resounding yes. And that's, in fact, what Christmas is all about. So my invitation to you here as we uh, prepare one day from the celebrations on Christmas Eve, two days from Christmas Day, don't miss what is at the center of Christmas. Don't let distractions steal your joy, the joy of God coming for you yourself. Let us thank our Father God for this amazing gift of Christmas. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so a Merry Christmas and amen to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we're uh, so glad to uh, be able to celebrate and prepare for these things uh, in this Advent season, just a day away from Christmas and as uh, we know, especially as the final preparations take place and uh, we're prepared for all the things that happen on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the days to come, uh, there's lots of distractions that can get in the way. But keep us focused uh, on you alone, on the gift that was given to us of Christmas, of, of you yourself, God, coming to us as this baby, as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, uh, who would take all things on himself and Give us that wondrous wondrous salvation. Of that is worthy of our full attention. Amen.